You're listening to Music Growth Talks, the podcast for musicpreneurs, with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, I'm Andrew Apanov. This is the 86th episode of the podcast, and the first episode of the podcast under the new title Music Growth Talks. And I'm working hard to avoid saying two things on this show out of habit. One being Whispering Recipes, the old name of the podcast, and the other being Subscribe on iTunes. Not sure if you've heard yet, but after last week's rebranding, we should be saying Apple Podcast instead of iTunes Podcast. So, just to recap, I'm Andrew Epanov, and you're listening to Music Growth Talks, which you can subscribe to on Apple Podcasts. Right at the beginning of the show, you could hear a new podcast jingle, and some of you could very well recognize the author of that voiceover. I'm very proud of having Tommy Zucker, the man who coined the term musicpreneur, recording it for us. So, thanks Tommy, and it's quite cool to have you on each episode of the show from now on. So, dear listener, when you get a chance, check out the new podcast website at musicgrowthtalks.com. There you can also find a link to the show notes. And now let's get to today's show. And today we've got a very special guest who represents the company which I'm quite confident all of you without exception know about. It's CD Baby, one of the world's biggest music distributors, and our guest is Kevin Brunner, the director of marketing at the company. Kevin is also the host of the DIY Musician podcast, which you may already be subscribed to. On this show, Kevin talked about understanding and leveraging the different streaming platforms he takes on windowing releases, how the new analytical tools and understanding where your music is played help you improve your marketing campaigns and much, much more. Listen to the episode in full and don't forget to visit musicgrowthtalks.com or dotedmusic.com for a link to the show notes for this very episode. Kevin, welcome to the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on the show. So let me start with uh, with somewhat a banal question, but I'm, I'm curious to hear a bit of a story here on how you ended up with CD Baby and um, maybe a few words on your background because I know that you've been in a band and you've done a lot of interesting things in the industry, but do you mind sharing with us briefly your music industry journey so far? Yeah, so I went to Nashville to study music and music business for college and while I was there, I met some guys and they needed a guitar player and to make a, a long story short, We ended up signed and on a major label, releasing records. And our first record did quite well, had a couple of hit singles, sold about 200,000 copies. And so it it did well. That that time, this was the late 90s, that'll get you to record number two if you sell that amount. But uh, we were nominated for a Grammy and a bunch of other awards and things like that. And, you know, did another record and really... The whole time we were just sort of getting burnt out because we were constantly on the road. We were making barely any money. We were usually the last ones to get paid. Everyone got paid before us, but we were the ones out there on the road making the sacrifices to make it happen. 
And so one by one, we all started to just kind of go our separate ways for various reasons. It was never the, uh, oh, I hate you guys. I'm out of here kind of thing. It was very much like feeling just this idea that this machine, no matter what I do, I'm never going to be able to have a decent life with my family. And by decent life, I mean just being to see their faces <laughs> uh, so, yeah. and or being able to pay the bills or it just feels like even with all the success we're having, I need a break and there's no room to have a break because we got to keep the machine going. So we all kind of just right. went our separate ways for a bit. And when I left, I was like, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way for artists to pursue a career and connect directly with their fans because at the end of the day, that's who... I'm trying to reach is the fans and the, all this other stuff, all this business, uh, you know, the machine, it's not necessarily needed. And I, so I started going, went through this kind of creative explosion and started writing a bunch of songs and met some people and started a new band in the Northwest where I was now living. The band was originally based, uh, small town poets was based in Atlanta. And so I moved up to the Portland, Oregon area. And started putting together a band and making a record and looking online and going, how I, there's, there's got to be a way for me to just to release this ourselves. And that's when I came across CD Baby. And so I started using CD Baby back in 2003. And so, you know, became very familiar that they were in Portland. It was actually like 10 minutes from my house where they were at. And I uh, would go over there all the time to drop off more CDs and such. And eventually well, I just thought, I should, sorry for, I should get sorry a job. For Sort of interrupting, but was it still under uh, Derek Sivers back then? Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Please keep going. Yeah. So I was just thought, you know, I I should just get a job here, and so I started working there. I've been there over eleven years, and been working here over eleven years, and it's just been, you know, from that initial passion of like, there's got to be a way, better way for artists to get their music out there. That's still very much what fuels a lot of my journey from going from a major label artist to being playing in the local scene and doing stuff independently and working for a company like CD Baby, where there's other artists, artists that are trying to do the same thing. For me, it's about being a part of a community and like-minded folks and just trying to advance the cause of independent artists, help people understand the opportunity that's out there for them, that they don't need all this stuff in order to start seeing progress and success with their music. You know, when I started my music career, You could not record a record because they were too expensive. You needed a label. You couldn't distribute it because you know what the public, general public didn't have access to distribution. And you definitely couldn't market it because there weren't simple tools. It was like magazines and billboards and, you know, sort of campaigns like that, displays in music stores and such. But now a lot of those things you can just do yourself. So like the idea of many artists still go to the point of like, oh, I guess I need a label to get my music out there. And it's like, but the idea that you can do a lot to advance your cause, get your music rolling, get your career moving on your own, and there's tools available to you. And you don't have to wait for someone else to decide you're worthy to get your music out there. You don't have to have people in between you and the fan. You can just go and work directly with the fans. And if they want to, you know, like and listen to your music and follow you and, and build, help you build a, your career, you can do that. So that's kind of a, a real, very, very condensed version of my musical journey, how I ended up CD Baby and why I love what we do here. I appreciate that. It was almost like a mission statement for the company other than, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like, I mean, you, you felt all the pain that 
musicians do feel and have been feeling for many years. So that's that's important when uh, when you work with creatives and musicians to understand their needs, not just uh, theoretically, but practically for real. So that's that's great. And yeah, I mean, so the the company is uh, is doing a lot for the music community, and it's huge. Do you mind running some even basic numbers in terms of how many musicians you, you distribute music for, and yeah, any interesting stats to share? We have about six hundred and fifty thousand artists that uh, we're distributing. Um, we have over seven million tracks that we distribute to places like Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, and all of the other digital music services. So there's a lot of artists and it's a big catalog. Yeah, it is. And uh, a lot of our listeners use your services clearly. And uh, I have a few questions about the product and your offerings and uh, the, the features you've been adding lately. I definitely would uh, like to hear some of the... Um, some advice as well. Hopefully we'll get to it on this conversation as well, but something completely random. And maybe this is not even an appropriate question to ask, but I remembered about Directivus while you were telling us your story. And I was curious if, um, is uh, the significance of the, his views uh, uh, on running the company and uh, like the lifestyle and, and philosophies, is it present? these days in the company and i'm also asking on behalf of some of the people i know who have been using cd baby for many many years and started using it when derek service was running the company and for them it's important that it's the same company although it's not i mean it's it's evolved and it's grew but do you have any comments on this if it makes sense in the first place I think if the question is, is the core heart of CD Baby from that era still the same as this era, then yes, that is the same. There's still a lot of artists that work here that infuse a lot of the decision making and just how we interact with people. I think our strength as a company is understanding what it's like to be an artist, who artists are, and we know how to speak to artists and want to help them move along because you know if if we're not a champion of the artists and then we we don't really have a business anymore so if that's what you're asking i think the answer is yes derek doesn't work here anymore he hasn't since 2008 so yeah. things evolve and change and as a company grows and meets faces new challenges and as the music business shifts drastically so there's lots of things that have evolved over those years. Yeah, definitely. You answered my question. So this is pretty much what I meant. So I, yeah, I'm pleased to hear that as well. And okay, so going back to to the offerings, because I'm really curious to look into what you've been uh, rolling out in the past months and uh, overall how the platform has been involved, because one of the challenges musicians face these days is that it's getting more difficult to earn through record sales, for example. Streaming is taking over, fortunately, finally. But uh, yeah, so the ongoing challenge is how to make money and uh, and build a fan base and so on. And uh, you're not just taking the music and distribute it to retailers and streaming platforms. You offer a bunch of other services and you expand 
And uh, do you have a comment? And I'm not sure if you hear my cat screaming in the background. He <laughs> really right. wants. He wants it's to not participate loud. It's in not loud. <laughs> So, could you comment on the overall strategy, if product-wise, if you're trying to move into some additional areas and offer more services that uh, may help musicians promote their music, and besides just distributing, and maybe mention some of the things you've added recently in terms of the features. Yeah, I mean, I think one thing that uh, we've been pretty big on lately here is really getting artists to understand the opportunities and engage with Spotify, with playlisting, and just understanding how that platform works. I think there was a lot of fear, doom and gloom going into a streaming world. And, you know, change is scary. And especially when the, the going into change seems unknown. But there are some really amazing ways that that platform is driving success for artists, and we're seeing it every day. And I think understanding how these new streaming services and platforms, I mean, they're really platforms, how they are promoting music on their service, how music is being featured or shared or popping up places based on algorithms. These things are really helping artists cut through a lot of the noise out there. And it's interesting that what we're seeing is a lot that someone might be have a huge get you know, added to a huge playlist on Spotify and start seeing lots of streams and tons of activity, but they might go to Apple Music and see barely any activity. And then they might go to Pandora and be huge. It's just interesting how these different platforms are doing different things with music that cause success in different ways. And I think that's something to be very aware of. I think so much of these platforms kind of have been lumped together as They stream for less than half a penny. I don't like them. But there's some really interesting, unique things that they're doing to really get people engaging. And the base level of the streaming activity, I think, is far higher than what people expected. So, you know, we have to adjust how we measure things. You know, a million used to be a huge monumental achievement. When I sold a million records, you're platinum. And then you feel like, okay, that's the number to hit. That's the target. Well, then people start comparing a million streams to a million records sold, and they're like, hey, that doesn't pay enough. They're like, well, look at what Ed Sheeran did, and Drake, and lots of other people are starting to do. We're adjusting that number to be, you know, the mega pop star. The new number is several billion, you know. By the time Ed Sheeran's record has its sort of one-year cycle, it will have been multiple billions of listens. That's the new level we need to adjust to and understand that All we need people to do now is hit the play button. And that's so much easier than getting them to pull out their wallet and buy something. Can I get 100 people to hit play easier than I can get 100 people to buy? Can I get 1,000 people to hit play easier than I can get 100 people to buy? So you start realizing that we're moving from a buying economy to a playing economy. So you need to start adjusting your thinking that the strategy is not to get people to buy something. The strategy is to actually get people to listen to something. And it's different. That sounds like I'm saying the same thing, but it's not. I was just at my parents' house last night. My dad bought a download of some art album that uh, he saw on iTunes, and I guarantee you he never listens to it again. If he does, it might be once. And that's just some insight, me knowing my father. Not, not that uh, people who buy downloads never listen to them. But, so that person made money, which is great, but they didn't gain a real fan. 
And so to me, it's like focusing on getting people listening, getting people wanting to hear your music, not just give you some money for a download or something else. So I think it changes your strategy and understanding that these services and platforms are really doing things to help get more people listening. And that benefits you as an artist big time because it doesn't do anybody, do anyone any good in the long term for you to sell a, sh- a CD at your show and then just go home and throw it on the shelf somewhere, never open it, never listen to it. That might have been them kind of getting a, you know, a memento from your show, a, a little piece of to remember it by, memorabilia. But at the end of the day, they're not listening to your music and loving your music so much that they want to come back to your next show. They want to buy your next album. They want to see everything you do. And so that's, to me, the key. Yeah, brilliant insights. And it's getting easier to uh, to connect with a fan for streaming platforms as well. So it's not perfect still, but still, if someone is streaming your music on Spotify, then they can subscribe to you, follow you, and then uh, uh, see when your new release is out. So things like that also help a little bit. I clearly hear you on adjusting the strategy accordingly. And well, we see that more musicians get the idea. We still need to continue educating <laughs> the artists, especially some of the old school folks out there. Uh, but generally, it's uh, moving in the right direction and uh, musicians do understand the changing environment, I believe. Excellent. And uh, I, I guess I, I, I know what you may say here, but do you have uh, a particular view on windowing and limiting where a particular release uh, may be available? For an independent artist, I think there's no benefit to it. So I think the strategy and the people you see windowing are people that have massive fan bases and they're using that to leverage a better deal for themselves, which is fine. I think for them, that strategically can make sense. As an independent artist, I want my music everywhere. I don't want someone to show up to my show, hear what I'm doing, like it, open up Spotify and go, oh, crap, it's not on here. I guess he's not on Spotify. Never mind. And put their phone away. They're a Spotify user. They're not going, oh, I better check Apple Music, or I better check Tidal, or I better check Deezer, I better check some, you know, Pandora's new service. That's not how consumers think. They assume that everything's everywhere. So to me, it's a missed opportunity for an independent artist to take that strategy, because that's not the place in your career you're at. You know, for the big pop stars that have the giant fan base who are already bought in on you as an artist, that makes sense. They're leveraging it to get a bigger payday. They're, you know, they're making Apple Music or Spotify pay up in order to give them an exclusive. And that's, you know, leveraging the fans and your popularity at the right time. Makes sense. I can't agree more. Not directly related, but still the another thing that uh, artists do need to be aware of and uh, look into is... Uh, the data, everyone talks about data these days, but still understanding the the information available from different platforms. Uh, so even with streaming platforms and social media and so on, and it's quite important to use the information that's coming from some of the platforms to get a better idea of who the artist's audience is and so on. So I think you have been making some interesting new changes recently in that area and introduced new offering to your users. Is it so? Yeah, we recently launched these trending reports, which are amazing. I mean, I know I work for CD Baby, but 
I'm in them daily looking at my band's stuff on there because it's amazing. Basically, it's daily reports of activity on Spotify, iTunes, and uh, Apple Music. That's what we have now. And for Apple Music and especially Spotify, there's just an enormous amount of data. All of those three services we have, like uh, location of where people bought it down to the city. So you can start with the world and see like what countries you're popular in, zoom in and start seeing you know, what regions you're popular in and get down to various cities to see where people are engaging with your music. You can see your demographics, you can see the songs that are getting attention. And then you can even see for Spotify what playlist your music has been added to, which is a huge help and such an amazing tool because for example, one of my the our one of our band's records, the band Small Town Poets, we have a Christmas album. And this year the trending reports were launched, you know, like last summer. But this year heading into Christmas, I started following it daily because we see a ramp up of that album heading towards the Christmas season. And without those reports, I would have never have known some of the success that was happening for our music. It would have been reported, you know, like a month and a half later when Spotify actually calculates and pays out for all those things. And we pay the artists here at CD Baby. But real time, I could see like, hey, this playlist, it's pretty big, is actually driving tons of streams of our music and digging in and finding out who it is and how I can find more playlists like it and really start working that angle. So there's things like that. You can see play counts, what's happening daily. So if you're an artist doing a campaign around a particular song, you can go in and see if it's working because if people are starting to stream your music more and so forth. So these things are amazing. You can see where, you know, you can tour if you've, you know, you're planning a tour and, you know, you debating about where to go. This can really help. It can yeah. help you guide what kind of merch you make because we were, I was just discussing this with somebody that, you know, if, if the demographic information is telling you that your audience is 30 year old women, well, maybe you don't make merch that appeals to a 18 year old guy, you know, start really understanding who's listening to your music and the opportunity that's there to engage with them and, you know, where success is happening and how you can fuel that more and where the opportunities are that you need to do some work around. Yeah, totally. And uh, yeah, so that's uh, quite amazing that you um, make this information more available to users of your platform, to musicians, and that the, the dates is more real time and up to date than in the past. It's uh, it's quite important to act on data quickly. And uh, I mean, with uh, retail stores, it's um, usually been more difficult to get data on downloads rapidly like uh if you are just an indie artist and want to know if uh, you got any lots of sales like a week ago or so yeah yeah so i mean you can see like it is like a couple day delay and you can see that stuff and you know all this isn't final sales data that you're seeing in these trending reports yeah, sure. and analytics just because they they you know could find out that you know someone bought something with a stolen credit card or whatever you know those random edge case scenarios that happen to retailers where they need to adjust the numbers. But, but yeah, I mean, you can see downloads. So I think what was interesting is out of the blue last year, heading into Christmas, a blogger who he's not, not a blogger related to music, but he has a big following posted on his website and on his blog about our Christmas album. And I could log in to our analytics and see that there was a spike in downloads and streaming right on that 
day and a couple of days following because of that. So it's those kind of things that you can see immediate results from and know something's working or not working. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, so speaking of uh, other tools, just one question about one very specific application that uh, we had been using. And uh, besides the podcast, there is also a video series with, the, which we've got called Stand Above the Noise. And uh, there I, on one of the episodes, I have an interview with back then CEO of Show.co, a lovely platform and which is now owned by City Baby. I'm not sure if it's been rolled out in full just yet and how actively it's integrated in the platform or not, but do you have any comments about that? Anything to be excited about in the nearest future, you know? Yes, uh, very soon, if you distribute your music through CD Baby, you will see a link on the dashboard that will get you free access to basically the gold tier. I think it's it's kind of a hybrid tier we made. So that's why I'm, I don't have it in front of me. We don't have it named, but we've you basically can run campaigns and access to all the features for free. And this tool is amazing. It's, it is. It is amazing. And the, why I'm so excited, I just started a campaign uh, a couple days ago and the, I cannot express how great this tool is. Not only is it a really useful tool, but uh, there are major labels that use it daily. Lots of major label record companies are using this daily to promote their artists. And um, I was joking in the office and saying that we should make the catchphrase that finally the major labels are paying so you can get access to something for free <laughs> because that's what it is. And it's a very useful tool. I'm loving it for building lists and also driving Spotify followers. Yeah, And uh, a lot of the major labels have, been using it for contests. The folks that manage Oasis's catalog, you know, Oasis, they use it all the time. A lot of like people from Universal, The Orchard, all these big companies have been using it to, to market their releases and get fans engaged with the music and build lists and build Spotify followers. And yeah, it's, that's one thing. We're making it free for CD Baby artists. There's a way, if, if you hit me up on Twitter, I could give somebody the link like if there's an artist listening that's like, hey, I'm not seeing it on the dashboard yet. I think it's supposed to go live this week, maybe next on the dashboard nice. where you just click a link and you'll automatically be taken to create an account so it'll be free. Excellent. That's something that all members of City Baby just uh, have to take advantage of because the platform is great, just as you described. It also looks great. I really, I've always liked the design, the aesthetics of the app. And uh, yeah, so this is a powerful tool and really nice to see it in the arsenal available to City Baby members. Exciting stuff. I mean, there is, oh man, there is a lot uh, within the the platform that we, which we can, what we can talk about. I mean, we haven't touched upon many areas uh, related to uh, licensing and uh, even distribution and selling and both digital and physical records uh, for CD Baby Store and so on, but it does sound quite exciting in terms of the amount of features that you are eating. So besides the, just beyond the CD Baby platform, you've been doing quite a few things in the educational area. Anything interesting in particular coming up in the upcoming DIY conference this uh, August, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, it's it's August 25th through 27th in Nashville, Tennessee. And I don't know when this podcast will go live, but it's 
Early bird tickets are on sale right now for just $69. That gets you access to the whole weekend. And this year we have a venue rented every night. We've always done an open mic on Friday night, but now we have a venue on every night. And people that buy early bird tickets get priority access to submit for performance opportunities. So that goes up, the price goes up near the end of April. And you can find out about tickets at DIYMusicianCon.com. And yeah, so we're doing that. We're having three nights where there's going to be the open mic at BB King's Blues Club, which is going to be great. Then we're going to have a, a showcase night. And then the final night of the conference, we've got a venue rented in Nashville that has two floors and two stages and just going to try and have a, a big party. So just going to Music City is an amazing feeling. If you haven't been to Nashville, the city is just electric. Everything's talking and feeling about music there. And it just makes the whole experience even more special. And so, yeah, we're starting Friday. We're going to have a full day of content. So we're actually starting Friday morning this year. Last year, Friday, in the previous years, Friday was really more of a half day. So Friday's going to be a full day. I, we're just getting speakers to sign on the dotted line. So we'll start announcing that soon. And we've got some really cool things beyond what I've mentioned that we're waiting to announce till it comes in that people are just going to really get excited about. The content is same, like, you know, it's still our mission to provide very actionable content. And we're not afraid to tell people no, that you don't get to speak at our conference because you're not providing actionable advice and things that the people that attend can use to move their career forward. I don't want to hear someone just yap about the business. I want I want real insight into what can help me move my career forward. So that's that's what it's going to be about. And yeah, I hope people come. The hotel, special hotel conference rate is there's not many rooms left at that. The rooms are selling like crazy. So I'd encourage you, if you're interested in going, lock that in. And I'll be there and I'd love to meet everybody and hang out. It's a joy for me to get to be a part of it, to help put it together and just to be there as a, a participant, even though I'm technically working. So it's a, it's a great event. <laughs> yeah, I hear. Excellent. And uh, the fee is great. I mean, for a music conference these days, it's just nothing. So uh, the, this show is out. I'm pretty confident it's out uh, a couple of weeks before. So uh, okay. soon after we record it. So it's it's the early bit that price should be up. In any case, we're linking to the website yeah. for the conference in the show notes. So it's easy to find out. Sounds like it will be an exciting event indeed. It's I may not be able to attend. I want badly to uh, to beat one of the editions. Maybe next year I'll, I'll try to make it. Just the location of being outside of the states makes it it's yeah. problematic for me. But yeah, next year. And if and if someone's listening to this that uh, is hearing it after the price goes up, it only goes up to ninety nine bucks, which is still yeah. a steal yeah. for it's... for the what you get. I go to a lot of conferences and. On average, conference tickets for that you know are trying to sell the artist are like three fifty to five hundred to sometimes even upwards of seven hundred dollars just to get the badge. So it's still affordable, <laughs> and we do get a lot of people from outside the U.S. We had twelve countries or fifteen countries represented last year. So even if you're outside the U.S., you're welcome. Excellent. So uh, lots of uh, great stuff going on this year. I just hope that there will be an opportunity to have you on this show again because I feel we. I uh, have uh, way more topics yet to cover. I really appreciate everything that you've shared with us today, Kevin, and I'm linking to everything uh, in the show notes once again and to the website, to the uh, to the conference, to the DIY Musician podcast. Obviously, it's a must-listen for all indie musicians out there and listening to this show as well. 
And uh, uh, thank you so much. It's uh, lots of great insights. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd be more than happy to be on the podcast at any time. I always we, give preferential treatment to podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll arrange that sometime in the future. So thank you once again. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks to Kevin and thank you for listening to this podcast. This has been the 86 episodes of Music Growth Talks. You can find a link to the show notes at the dotedmusic.com blog or musicgrowthtalks.com from where you can also subscribe to the show on Apple Music or via email. If you want to connect with me personally and ask questions or if you want me to text you link to the show notes, just send me a text message at plus one three four seven eight four eight one three seven three and of course check out the latest cd baby features if you use the platform and fyi the early bird tickets for the diy music conference which we talked about with kevin are still up at the time i'm releasing this at the release so check it out thank you for listening until next time You've been listening to Music Growth Talks with Andrew Apanov. Find more episodes and subscribe at musicgrowthtalks.com.